Well, it's always great to worship the Lord on a Sunday, and even better to do it together, isn't it? There we go. That's exactly right. Thank you. Uh, Aunt Sally's here. Everyone, please welcome my Aunt Sally. Yeah, there she is. There she is. Not only is she, is she my aunt, but she is. She loves the Lord. You'll hear her talk throughout. So there you go. She she is an active listener, and we celebrate that. I. All right, all right. I'll take that. I'm humble before I speak. <clears throat> Um, a couple of announcements just to bring to your attention. Uh, this is another week of our Wednesdays, and we just had our, um, this Wednesday is supposed to be a paradigm shift Wednesday. Oh, look at me over here. Is that right? Paradigm shift? <laughs> Lord, help me. There's so many other things in my mind. This Wednesday is a paradigm shift Wednesday, so there is child care. Um, if you would please come, and we're going to begin to talk about some of the core foundations of what we believe, things that we unfolded at the Fireside Chat, which is our kind of State of the Union, State of the Church thing. So some of those topics that we talked about, we're going to unfold together starting in those Fireside Chat, I mean, starting in those paradigm shifts, which will be a great time to have not only discussion, but to go deeper in what those things actually mean. So we, we rolled out things called the, the, four, the core four. I always want to say four core not that any of it matters. They're just rhyming words anyway, but in the sense of how you say it, excuse me. But those are important tenets that we hold to now and uh, have held to. We're just naming them. And so please come in here and let's have a discussion about what they look like lived out and how does seeing that in Scripture transform the way that we engage culture. That's the idea. We're shifting our paradigms, not just for what culture says, but from a biblical standpoint, empowered by the Spirit of God to go out into culture and change culture instead of us just changing because culture does. So they, they, thank you for that. So I was looking for. <laughs> so that's all Wednesday. Um, and then, of course... Is there a, is there an, a, there is a work day May coming up? I saw the email, but what is the date again? It's uh, May the 6th. May the 6th. That's the equipment. Right? There it is, May the 6th. Okay, so we have a little bit of time still. But praise the Lord. All right, and I have to do um, the, the privilege and honor of saying welcome back, Mike Hayden from, from Pakistan. Every travel of yours is an adventure, but praise Jesus for your safety and welcome home. Please. Amen. It was great. I, I haven't heard the full story yet, but just seeing pictures of you and the brothers around the table and seeing you speaking is a joy. So that's awesome. Ooh. Some of those, those cows need to hear it too, I think. Yeah, that's amazing. Praise Jesus for that. The word of the Lord speaks and goes forth. Um, last week, we announced to you guys as a church family that the passing of Ryan Lopez, and um, that is incredibly heavy and heart-wrenching. And um, I had the, I, I'm giving a testimony is what I'm doing right now, so bear with me. Um, I, had the, uh, ah, man. I had the opportunity of being able to just be with the family yesterday a little bit, and um, I'm giving an opportunity, and I'm... I'm if I can take off one hat and put on another, it's impossible to do because I believe the Lord has anointed me for where I am right now. But listen, I've grown up in this church and I've known the Klesker family for a long time. Hold on, hold on. Uh, yeah, I know. This is good. This is a good thing. I want to I um, testify to their faithfulness. Um, you know, this is a nightmare of, of, of the highest degree. And, and sitting with Rob and Mary, just hugging them and hearing their profession of faith and their hope that the passing of Ryan will have an immense harvest for the goodness of the Lord and for people coming to Christ and for those kind of things is, is amazing for a younger believer to hear. So I'm, as, as a son of the church, and I, and I know those things, I'm saying I, pr I commend them to you and say their, their faith is rooted and strong, um, but by no means should we stop praying. Please don't stop. Please don't stop praying for them. Fall on your knees before the Lord. F join me in fasting for them. Um, I, th like, I am taking this to a serious degree that the, the marriages would stay strong, that faith would stay strong, that this would be an opportunity of growth and, and belief for all of their children, uh, for, of course, Sean and for the family holistically. And if you don't know them, this is, this, 
for some of you who are newer to our congregation, this is a, a founding family in New Covenant Church. Um, he recently retired and moved to Florida. This is their grandson that they lost suddenly. He's only eight years old. And so um, they've been a part of us and are intertwined in everything we do still. So I'm just, I'm just saying to you, though, please, I commend them to you, and their faith is amazing. So just hugging them and talking, and, and only in the couple-minute interaction that we were able to have together, um, I was bolstered in my faith in the worst of times that I could even think of. They're professing to me, the Lord will do something with this. The rootedness of who the Lord is and his, the bigness of his kingdom and the mission that he has set forth, the Lord will do something with the passing of our grandson in the, in the kingdom purposes that he has. And that, what kind of a faith is that, man? Isn't that awesome? So we praise Jesus for them, and I'm going to pray for them right now, but I, just, I exhort you, please do not forget about them in your prayers. In your time with the Lord as you fall on your knees before him, let's, please remember that family. Almighty God, we do that right now. We remember the Kletzker family, the Steele family, the Lopez family. Lord Jesus, we bring them before you. And we say, only by your stripes are we healed. So, Lord Jesus, we see all this tragedy through the filter of the cross and through the filter of the resurrection to know that there is an amazing hope still. And so, yes, we grieve and we mourn and we wail and we hurt and things don't take that away. But, Lord, we do it with an immense hope, knowing that you are seated on your throne and the promise is that we are seated with you. And so I just pray for Rob and Mary specifically now that you would overshadow them with your presence in this moment. May they feel your touch. May they feel your presence. Holy Spirit, may they feel you move upon them. And may they know the comfort of just being with you in your presence. We pray, Lord Jesus, for Julia and Dominic and for Sean. Lord, in their loss and in what their family looks like now, strengthen their marriage. Strengthen the bond that they covenanted together. That they would support each other and love each other without end. Father, they would draw closer to you and they would know your leading and your, your hand upon their life. We pray for Carolyn, for Rebecca, and for Robbie, for all the family, Lord Jesus. May they yield to you and to your leading. Soften their hearts and minds to see your goodness and your grace still. And may they be more like you as a result of this, Lord, we pray. As they mourn and as they grieve, Lord, please answer them and respond to them. You say, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. And so as they, as they mourn, Lord, may, may their hearts also be inclined towards you in repentance and in, and in um, hope and in faith and in life. Lord, we can't say all the right words because it's so big. But we just put it all before you and say we know that you can handle it. So please, Lord Jesus, do your amazing work. In your name we pray, amen. Our God is truly good. This morning, I, I, I have the privilege of speaking to, oh, children, man, please have you stand up. You know what, children? I do not apologize because it is so important to pray when we go through good times and when we go through hard times. Kids, can you all say amen? amen. There we go. So thank you for praying with me. Uh, I'm sorry that I prayed for a long time, but I totally forgot what I was supposed to do. Huh, Z? <laughs> Uh, there's no more reminders from the front row, which I usually need. All right, Jesus, these kids are a blessing to us. May they fall deeper in love with you now as they hear about your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Please go back and have a wonderful time in class, guys. Sorry about that, everybody. So th today, um, Stephen is at Troy New Covenant Church. He is speaking to the brothers and sisters there. And so it's beautiful to be able to share pulpits and have different life. Yeah, yeah. So he and the family are out in Troy, which leaves you with me. No, it's a joke. Hey, that's very kind of you. That's not what I was going for, but that's very kind. Um, I'm going to speak to you today, and I'm going to give a disclaimer because I, I don't need to, but I believe it will help. I'm going to talk to you guys today about repentance. And so what typically happens is that you get down on yourself, and your chin goes to your chest, and you think about how awful you are. That is not the point. If the Lord convicts you and drives you to repentance and you need to do things, then that is the point. If he, that, I'm going to leave that to the Lord. I am not trying to call one person out. I am not preaching to one person here. I believe the Lord showed and revealed something to me as I was studying in Scripture. And it cut me. 
And I believe this is the time that we're in currently where we've been, we went through fasting and had a time of prayer. Stephen talked about the oil in your lamps and getting ready. And so the text I'm bringing to us today is an interesting one. Um, and I want to say to you this, I believe it's from the Lord because he is cultivating. He's breaking, he's breaking up dry grounds in us. He's yeah. doing things amidst New Covenant Church and beyond, I believe, that we need to be, we need, we need to understand who we are in Christ and be ready to be utilized for what he calls us to do. And if we're not, if we're dry, if we don't have our shoes laced up, if we're not stretched and ready, uh, usually, oh, I'll give you an example. This is so embarrassing of me. I played collegiate baseball, and when I say that, I was just on the team. But I played, and one time I was on the bench, and it was physically snowing. The snow was coming down. Two things don't mix well baseball and snow they don't you don't do that and so for whatever reason it was the start of a season it was it was a wild time the and the coach called me and he said uh dave go play outfield and then you're batting next and i thought coach it's snowing i've been in the dugout like i would warm up pitchers and do things because i was bullpen catcher kind of but then then he asked me to go do something and i was as cold as ice my joints were stiff Everything was stiff because I had not been preparing on the off times. You want to be stretching between innings. You want to be throwing. You want to be ready in case the moment they call you, I'm in. I'm ready to go. I had not been. And so I could almost hear my muscles creaking as I tried to run out to the outfield. Man, that was a wake-up call. So um, that went okay. That went okay. But then when I came to the plate, I was like, Every time I twisted, it was like you could hear cracking and pop. And so I was not prepared to do what I was called to do. And I believe we're in Christ, right? We are saved. Amen. Everybody can say amen to that. Christ's blood applied to me is enough to remove my transgressions and to give me a place in his kingdom. And I am in the family of God. But we don't stop there. There is a point in which we also are working out our salvation we are. We're growing. There's a responsibility that we have under the sovereignty of God to be more like him, to grow in his grace, to have understanding, to walk it out in life. Paul says to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Okay, and so all these things require us also to grow instead of just sit stagnant like I did. I wasn't ready, so then when, when, the, when I was put in the game, I wasn't prepared or ready for what he had me do. So I'm saying that because I believe this text and what I'm bringing is similar along those lines. Um, I would go camping occasionally in college. I did not grow up as a camper. Many of you know my father and the stories that he tells of camping. And so that was not necessarily imparted to me. That was just my experience. I did not have any experience in the outdoors because we didn't go outdoors. <laughs> okay. So... That is not a hindrance, that's just, that's just where it was. So then I get to uh, school in the south, everybody is just outside all the time. It's like my roommates were eating leaves. It's like, oh, I'm hungry, and then they could like find, they could, what's it called when you get stuff off the ground? That's the one, forage. That word shouldn't be utilized, but forage. They, that, they loved the outdoors. It was rock jumping and climbing and fishing and doing all these things, so they naturally invited me, and they, they Pinned me as a city boy. I was like, St. Louis, man. I'm not very, it's not LA. This is not New York. But they pinned me at that because I didn't know what I was doing. Anyway, I grew in that and I understood some things. Um, but one time camping in college, in camping in college was uh, hiking to a place basically that was, it was climbing down a big ridge, walking down a stream, and then coming to a place in the middle of a stream where there was grass, and then we slept there. So you, you were just outside. And then you would hike and climb some cliffs and things like that and then go back. And so it was just a one night, like, let's go have fun and sleep outside. And so that's what I did with no experience. But uh, you know, you have to go to the bathroom sometimes. Um, and that's not a pleasant thing because especially if you're not used to it, there's, there's ways of doing that. But you know what you don't do? You don't go to the bathroom in the middle of the camp. Doesn't that make sense? I'm going to leave it at that because some, some of my roommates were not very smart. But you don't go to the bathroom in the middle of the camp because you just don't. Like it's common courtesy and people should understand that, right? Um, and so this is kind of my, my 
coming into camping is not only they want me to sleep outside on the ground in the middle of water, literally there's water on either side and there was like grass in the middle. I don't know how that even worked. But I guess if it did, <laughs> glad it didn't rain. But anyway, and then after that, you pick up all your stuff and you go cliff jumping. So they wanted me to jump off the cliff and I did it. Anyway, what I'm getting at here is there is a known reality to how you deal with the waste in your life. Okay? And so what I'm about to bring to you is straight out of the law. We've probably read it so many times, maybe we've not thought about it much. But I'm going to bring you some text that has been made alive to me that I think will help us in, in wherever the Lord is bringing us. The Lord is, is so kind and so good. He's reminding us of his mission, and he's aligning us to be ready to be utilized at any moment. So that when the time is right, you speak because you have the word in you and you have the Holy Spirit that guides you and empowers you and reminds you. Right, church family? Okay, so um, I'm going to talk to you out of the law. The law is given through Moses to the Israelites after coming out of Egypt. So you got to remind, they're thinking like Egyptians. They're thinking like pagans. They're not thinking like the people of God. So Moses is handing the law to them to say, um, if you want to live in my economy, if you want to be my people, if this is how you want to function, this is what it looks like. There is purpose to the way that you live. And that purpose should represent me and who I am and my character and my holiness because you bear my likeness and you bear my name now. And Yahweh goes with you. And so if you're going to do that, will you abide by these things? Everyone's yes, yes, we'll do that, we'll do that. And what we see over and over and over in the Old Testament is they profess yes, and usually like the next chapter, it's a no. And then we see again a couple chapters later, massive repentance or judgment when they profess again yes, and then no. A massive example is, is even in the building of the temple, right, Solomon was given all this stuff from his father to build the temple. He gets wisdom from the Lord, which is an amazing story in itself, builds the temple. Temple is just amazing, bigger than anything. So some of the wealthiest queens and can come from the region and say, this is, this is too much, right? And at that moment, there's also a declaration from the Lord, will you follow me? I will dwell amongst you. Will you operate this way? And everyone says, yes, we will. Two chapters later, they automatically, they have already failed and there are already kingdoms coming in and taking things from the temple. So the difficulty is, how do we live in that way? I want to remind you that in all of these circumstances, these are covenant people. These are people like you and I in the sense that this is not in salvation. This is after you've come in, you are a covenant member. How do you live? Okay. And so I think oftentimes, I'll speak for me, we talk a lot about salvation and then we assume afterwards that we're good. And you are, because you are secure. There's an assurance of your salvation. We teach that doctrine. We talk about all those things. But the reality is also, you need to also continually grow and work. If you're going to put a jersey on of a team, why wouldn't you play in the game? If you guys can understand what I'm saying by that. You're a part of the team. You're a part of the kingdom of God. You're, you're in. And if you're going to wear that, letter or that jersey, it would make sense that you would be preparing or be ready to be utilized with what he wants you to do. But I think oftentimes we just fall into the cyclical, it's comfortable, it, people are doing it for me, this podcast is really heartwarming, I like how this person took that scripture and made it apply to me in that way, or I've been reading these things and it works. So I'm bringing this to you today, this is a portion of the law that Moses is giving to his people, how they should live in the economy of God. All right, Deuteronomy 23, 12 through 14, if you're all with me. And I call this a shovel. <laughs> a shovel. Creative, David. Oh, Lord Jesus, we come before your word and say, we, we want to be like you, and we want to look like you. And we want to function the way you function. We want to speak the way you speak. And we want to honor and respect your holiness and how you are so great and majestic and beautiful. So, God, Father, we love you, and we yield to you. God, the Son, we are grateful for your sacrifice and your applied and accomplished work on the cross that we have life and life more abundantly. And God, the Holy Spirit, we thank you that you indwell us, that you transform us, that you redeem and renew us, that we would, in our sanctification, be able to do so in power and in grace, knowing that we're being made more like you. 
We thank you and love you, Lord. In your name, amen. Deuteronomy 23, 12 through 14. You shall have a place outside the camp, and you shall go out to it. Get ready. It's a little bit PG-13. And you shall have a trowel with your tools. And when you sit down outside, you shall dig a hole with it and turn back and cover up your excrement. Because the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and to give up your enemies before you. Therefore, your camp must be holy so that he may not see anything indecent among you and turn away from you. Um, remember I said it would make sense that you would go to the bathroom outside the camp? Some people get that innately, but some don't. And I would say to you is, and it's a, I'm joking, but I'm actually being serious. They don't understand the holiness and the reverence and the majesty of God. And so this text is here. It's an interesting text. One of the things that I want to pull out is Moses in the law from God takes time in a couple verses to tell them how they should deal with their waste. And this is an important thing, right? And the one thing that it says, and you shall have, verse 13, a trowel with your tools. And when you sit down, you dig the hole, you turn back, you, you, you go to the bathroom, and you cover up the hole. Why? So that when God walks in your midst, he's not walking amidst your waste because he's holy. You don't bring a holy God, a God who's majestic, a God who's wonderful, amidst the excrement of your life. He's greater than those things. And he specifically talks about a couple things that we're going to talk about here for deliverance and to drive your enemies out from you. So we're going to talk about this. Yes, it applies to a physical place, but I want to be careful. We're speaking from the New Testament. There's been so much that has been applied as a result of knowing who Christ is as the Messiah and his atoning sacrifice applied to our lives. So we'll go back to the New Testament also to say, yes, this is true still for the believers. The way you live your life matters. Equally, Jesus has taken your sin. He's taken your waste. He's taken those things, and he's making you, and he's made you holy as he is holy. Okay, so I'm going to be careful, but there's still a call to how you live and the, the responsibility you have as a believer, if you guys are with me here. Okay, thank you. So it's interesting here that a shovel, amidst a lot of things that they ask to carry, they usually have to carry a sword for battle, right? Oftentimes in Scripture we see them carrying a hammer or something to build with. And in here, one of the things or tools that they should have on their person is a shovel. This word can be translated in different ways, like a little trowel or a pick or like a tent stake. So we think of it as automatically a mini shovel. It could be, but most likely it was more like a pick or something like that to dig a hole, right? I just want to make this, this, this um, statement. It is that important to God that these people would be equipped and ready to be able to dig a hole, to take care of the waste because of who he is in his character. And so as I translated for us, are we, are, we, are we carrying the things? Are we ready? Are we living in a way that we are ready to deal with having already been in the new covenant? The waste, the excrement, the things that need to be dealt with so that we can function properly with a holy God. This is why we come to the table every week and we remind ourselves of the standards, are we, living, are we living in obedience to the Lord in thought and word and in deed? Because if not, let's deal with it. And that shouldn't be a surfacey thing. It should be a, let's dig down and figure out what are the actual heart conditions that we have that maybe we hold against other people or hold against God or assume on God. And let's deal with those things so that when, when the Lord says, move, we're ready to move. When the Lord says work or speak, we're ready to work or speak or do whatever he calls us to do. So why a shovel? I'm going to, I just gave a couple bullet points. Um, I said because God is holy and he wants to visit his people. Straight out of the text. He wants to visit his people. He wants his people to live in the responsibility of holiness. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, it, as we understand this and as I look at the New Testament, I'm, we're going we're gonna to see that Christ has done the work already. Right? He has forgiven you of your sins. We just celebrated that in the Lord's Supper. At the same time, you have a responsibility to continually take care of the things that need to be taken care of. Because he's holy. Because of his character. 
because of his beauty and his majesty, I want to live in the, in the place that he has me living in for his purposes. Who can remember another time in scripture when the Lord walks with his people? There's in, not the incarnate Christ, not, not New Testament, right? In the garden. Yeah, that's what I thought of immediately. Isn't it beautiful? He's, he leads his people by a pillar of cloud and fire in the Old Testament. There is, um, there's visitations of him, of course, in like the burning bush and those things. But walking with his people is Adam and Eve, uninhibited. And so this, uh, one of the accounts of it is in Genesis 3, where God is walking in the cool of the day and he's, and he's looking for Adam and Eve. But what had just transpired was sin, the fall. Right? And so this is an assumed thing that the Lord did this routinely. He walked with Adam and Eve. There was nothing that separated or inhibited their relationship together. Y'all with me there? That, that's amazing. And so the beauty of the, the relationship is that's the way God ordained it and had it. And so as he's walking in the cool of the day and as he's doing these things, the beauty is um, that he wants to be with his people. And in an instance where he has to send them out of the garden, he recognizes there's something different here. They've gone into something that they were not supposed to go into. Their waste is pretty obvious. I'm taking a little bit of liberty here, but I'm going to say that they've not dug a hole and dealt with it properly. And so when the Lord walks amidst them, he knows there's something different, and then he has to send them out because of the curse. Um... The beauty of this, as we'll get to it, is, is the joy of the new covenant and what Christ has done for us to be able to realize a right relationship with God. That we're no longer sent out, but actually we're brought in. And there's this beautiful realization of Jesus says, come to me. But as you read stories about him, he's always doing this. He says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. But what is Christ doing? He is walking into their garbage and cleaning it and refining it. So it's a different realization where in the Old Testament law, what you touched, you became like. So if you touched a dead body or if you were unclean, you had to go outside the camp and, and do the specific requirements of cleansing yourself to be brought back in the people. But in the New Testament, what's awesome is that when you encounter Christ and when he comes into your junk, whatever that is, illness, sickness, leprosy, sin issues, demonic activity, he didn't become like a demon the demon left. He didn't contract leprosy and become unclean. The uncleanliness left. So we have a massive shift that happens because of who Christ is. His perfection is given to you. You don't give him your sin and nastiness. And so that's, that's a holy cow. That was not where I was going. But that was something that I've been enjoying because out of Isaiah, I got to stop. Um, he wants, he wants to visit his people. He wants his people to live in the responsibility of holiness. And he wants his people to know deliverance. Um, I think this is specifically talking about from your enemies, obviously, because he says, well, drive your enemies out from you. But I think the beauty of, of the holistic picture of a God who desires more for his people to be with his people is also that he wants to deliver from them the things that would hinder you from coming. He wants a proper relationship with you. The assumed part of this text is that God wants to walk amidst his people. So let it happen. If he's not, it's because of the things that you are doing. Right? And so, once again, we're going to look at what Christ has accomplished. But I want to get to the responsibility of being a follower of God. Instead of just assuming the grace of God covers, and it does, but don't test God. His grace does cover. His mercy is new. But that does not mean you can do whatever you want to do. Right? And so the way that we live matters. So uh, he wants to drive out his enemies from our midst. Deliverance from the waste that creates separation and deliverance from enemies and deliverance from being outside of his presence. What are you doing now to be ready to be used and to be visited by the Lord? I don't think this is just about a physical place anymore because of the New Testament. This is also about your heart. So this is talking about your camp. Your camp needs to be clean. But we also know that God is after your heart. How do you relate to God? What do you assume on God? I'm going to ask a bold question, and I know the assumed answer. 
But do you want God in your midst? Do you want God in your midst? Then your life has got to reflect it. And I say this in humility and pastorally. I want, I want us as a congregation to know that our repentance is not just at salvation, but it is a lifestyle. And we yield to the holiness of God because we want to be like Him. And I want to see more of Him. And I want to experience His power. And I, and I want this Holy Spirit to not only indwell me, but to transform me in anywhere I go. Right? And so, do you want to be in the midst of God? I believe, I know the answer is yes. So I'm not challenging you to say that. What I am challenging is, then what does your lifestyle proclaim about that answer? Are we looking at things that are growing us in Jesus Christ? Um, are, we, are we spending our time, and this is not legalism, my friends. We're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, please. It's not about what you're doing or not doing. It's about your heart motives. What are you bringing Christ into? And so that's why I want us to, I just want to challenge us because when I came across this scripture, it was talking about digging and properly getting rid of the things that shouldn't be there. How are we doing that daily to be honoring and to be in the right place and to fully, fully uh, be ready to be used by the Lord in whatever facet he has us in? Okay. So do you want God to visit? I, we say yes and amen, but are you content with the preparation you're doing before coming to God? Or do we kind of just show up and say, Lord, here I am. Uh, I'm a mess. I've, I messed up on all these things, which, yes, good. Do that, please. But bring more than just, just always being the mess up, right? And I'm saying this about myself. I've recognized as I pray, I'm really trying to refine and use right words that have meaning rather than I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. I should have done that. That was a mistake. Lord, forgive me for that. Okay, Good. He's done that. And, and I want you to hear, I did. I did forgive you. Now talk about who, he, who is God. Lord, I, when I see you, I am just, I'm in silence because you're too great for me. Your holiness is so wonderful. Uh, you, you love me in a way that I cannot, I've never experienced from any human because it's so pure. Uh, the, the delight I have in just sitting with you is far greater than any form of entertainment I've ever experienced before. And I truly feel that I am welcomed into your presence because of Jesus. I'm just saying, let's get creative with our prayers to also declare and describe the things we're, we're wanting and wanting to do. Okay. Uh, in Luke chapter 8, there was the woman with the issue of blood. And I'm going to read it for us really quick as we close. Luke chapter 8, 43 through 48. It says, And there was a woman who had a, dis a discharge of blood for 12 years. We know this story. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, meaning Jesus, and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood was ceased. Okay, so if you recall what we just talked about, in the Old Testament, if someone with a discharge of blood touches you, what do you have to do? Go outside the camp. You have to be clean. Um, here in verse 45, Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that the power has gone out from me. Oh, praise Jesus for that. That in and of itself is an amazing statement. The Lord knows when, when that's going from him. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So there's this beauty that I'm trying to say is we're talking about dealing with the things that need to be dealt with. Um, you can dig holes and you can put things in those holes. But the true, the true reality to deal with something is not the physical of what the text is saying. It's, it's the applied work of Christ to you. You've got to come to Jesus. So true repentance and true faith and true healing came when she encountered the work of Christ. And she felt the power of the Holy Spirit transform who she is in the way that she functions in life. So when I talk about the whole thing, that's not the means by which we're saved, and I believe we all know that. What I'm trying to say is, through Jesus, he's the only way to the Father. He took your ways to allow you to walk freely with, with the Father and to know the leading 
of the Holy Spirit. As you have received Christ, Colossians says, so walk in him. Or like I quoted before, Ephesians 4, 1 is walk in a manner worthy of your calling. We need to come to Christ because as we repent of the things that we've done, and when we encounter him and receive a touch from him, we are transformed. Nothing could heal this woman until she encountered the power of Jesus. Nothing can take away the deep-seated things that we need to dig out of our life except for the, the redemptive work of Jesus Christ applied to us. Okay, so here's my now what. I'm the habit guy. I like, I've recently I've been talking about disciplines and a lot of different things. And so what I want to leave with you is this. Create a habit today. Carry a shovel with you. And I'm not saying specifically you have to carry a trowel in your back pocket. That would be very uncomfortable and you'd look weird. Actually, it could be, it could be a good conversation starter. So actually try it out and see what happens. Um, carry a shovel. Properly deal with the waste of your life and don't allow it to cloud your heart or your camp. Stay prepared for God to walk amongst you. I've got to say, Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is in you. And so when I say walk amongst you, I'm trying to just proclaim that you are seeing the work of the Lord applied to your life where you are and around you as you do it. Okay? So I'm not saying by doing these things you gain it. You have it. I'm saying walk in it and know the power of it because you have prepared and aligned your heart for the things that the Lord wants you to do. Okay? This is, this is the entire gospel. Come to Jesus. Based on the work of Jesus Christ, we have access to the Father and have been given his Holy Spirit. We're in union with Christ, and now we live in this new covenant. Our work does not change the way God relates to us, but why wouldn't you want to do the things he's asking you to do if you follow him? I, I believe that, that God does not love you more or less based upon the things that you're doing if you're in him. The accomplished work of Jesus Christ is enough. It's not a performance-based religion here or, or belief system. Jesus has done the work and you're in him. And he empowers you and dwells you with the spirit to do crazy things in the world for his glory and power. But I am saying it requires responsibility for you to walk it out in a manner worthy of your calling. It requires you to dig and to deal with some things that, sh that, that are there, but you don't truly want to give up requires you to examine your heart and your mind to see are you living in accordance to Scripture and thought, word, and in deed, right? Keep the shovel in hand or on hand, and then let the Holy Spirit do his work. This morning, uh, this is my, our, our mornings, and I'm sure many of you remember these mornings. One, one boy walks in. Boy one walks into the kitchen. Dad, boy two slapped me in the face. It's like, okay, let's go get boy two. Boy Two, did you slap him in the face? Yes, I did. Why did you do it? I don't know. So go back to boy one. Did you do something to get a slap in the face? I don't know. So I look at both boys and say, how do, we, how do you know? How does no one know? A hand doesn't just come up and like randomly slap you in the face. So what, what transpired here for this to take place? I don't understand what's going on. And so I just ask him again and both of them say, I don't know. And so we deal with that, but I think one of the things I took away is, man, how often do I um, talk, <laughs> talk this way when, when I come to the Lord um, and sins are revealed or like my heart condition is before the Lord, it's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. Sin, isn't, sin is not an accident, if I could say it that way. Uh, sin is a, is a degradation of God's character. It is a statement that you can do things better than he can. And so I just want to challenge you to say, it, it, I want you to dig because I want us to be more like Christ. And, and there are things I think that we often hold on to that we don't recognize or see because it becomes part of our life. And I'm saying, if we were to, to look at the map of our life or the daily schedules that we hold, are we content with seeing the things that we're doing and how they align with what the Lord has asked us to do? Or the things that maybe we can shave off and habits we can create that align with what he has called us to do to live in a manner worthy of our calling. How you walk out your Christian life matters, right? And Paul calls you a living letter. When people look at you, what are they reading? And there's the, the context of, of kind of how we're doing it. As you come to Jesus and repent, you are forgiven church family. But I just want you to continually keep the trial on hand because maybe there's times in life where we also have to dig and deal with things 
so that our camp is clean, so that our hearts are right, so we're ready to be utilized by the Lord in any situation he has us in. Uh, My last thing is this. Ask the Holy Spirit to dig into your heart and properly dispose of the waste that lingers. You are fully saved and forgiven if you are in Jesus Christ. Please receive that this morning. I'm challenging you to say, I believe sometimes there are blind spots and habits in our life that speak against the things the Lord calls us to do that we don't even recognize that we do anymore. And I'm asking you to get on your knees before the Lord and to do some digging. Let's deal with those waste of that excrement so it's not in your proverbial camp, whether that's physical in your home or I believe also in your heart. How can we get deeper with the Lord to be able to say, Jesus, anything that's not you, burn it up in me, that I would just be totally used as your instrument of righteousness for what you want to happen. So do you have a heart like the heart of God? Here are some questions you can ask yourself throughout the week. Do you want to follow God in the way that he prescribes? Or do you want to do it on your own terms, in the way that you think it should be done? Are you following a caricature of Jesus, or are you following the authentic Jesus Christ of the Bible? Right? Or do you need to do, you need to do some digging? Maybe you don't. Praise Jesus. But I want to be faithful to bring this as, as we're in a moment, I think, where the Lord is working through things with his spirit to properly align us with what he's doing in his vision of his kingdom. And the things that aren't of him should fade away. I'm just going to take a moment and I'm going to sit in silence and then I'll close us in prayer. If you can ask yourself these questions or if anyone has a prayer of response, that's, I welcome it. Um, but as you go throughout the week, remember that you are forgiven when you come to Jesus and that you are, are, you are his son and his daughter. But keep the shovel on hand that things wouldn't grow or fester in you to be like anything else, but you would be refined more and more by his Holy Spirit to be the place where he wants you to be and to use the way he wants you to be used. All right. I'm just going to be quiet for a second as we close here, just for, just for a minute. This is not meant to be awkward. If you need to pray and deal with some things, please begin that. Or if you have a prayer for the body, we would love to hear it. Thank you, Father, that you love us enough to send your word to us. Mm-hmm. Father, help us not to be negligent upon hearing your word, Lord. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. We want to be like you. Father, we thank you for the prophetic word in Scripture that out of the root of Jesse, the Messiah will come. And so we thank you that from the line of David, we thank you, Jesus, that roots, roots matter. And that um, they are life-giving. And I just confess that oftentimes some roots don't need to be there. And they're giving life to things that are not helpful as a follower of you, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, as we dig and as we, as, we, as we open our hearts before you and ask you to refine and forgive and make us more like you, please, Lord, extract the roots that maybe I can't see, that have become a lifestyle for me. I open myself up to you, Lord, and just say, pull the weeds and the roots out so that the only root left is yours. 
that there wouldn't be something that's trying to fight for or take away from the life that is the root that you have in me. We thank you for your work. Jesus Christ, we thank you that you are more than enough. We thank you that we have life in you. I just pray for New Covenant Church and for guests with us today. I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would encourage them, that you would empower them, you would strengthen them this week. They would faithfully live for you and in your glory and honor. Amen. Go for it. Christine has a testimony before we close. Yeah, I just wanted to share this. Um, well, I feel like I'm supposed to share it, but I feel like it's just a confirmation to everything you just preached. Um, so on Friday, um, Friday's our trash day at home, and I was sitting in my chair that I sit in in the morning to spend time with the Lord. And I had my back to the front windows that would look out to where our trash hands are. And I was spending time with the Lord just doing my thing, and I heard a tr the trash truck, and I had to like reach way back and like crane my neck and just to see and I didn't even know why I was so interested, but I was trying to figure out where the trash truck was coming, if it was coming down our street or up our street, making sure John put the trash can out, whatever it was. I was like, I looked and it felt like it was this really big effort. And I did it and it was like, and right when I looked out, I saw the trash truck pull up to our house and dump our trash can. And there was something satisfying about that, just to know that my trash was no longer in, on my property. And as I sat back up, Holy Spirit said, I want you to pray that over your spirit. Like, I want you to pray that I will do that work, that I will take all, because it was just like in that moment, all of that trash was off of our property. And he's like, I want you to pray that. So I sat there and I was, it was an encounter with him. It was, it was him just saying, pray this over your spirit, over your life, that I would go in and take all of the trash that you don't even know about, just all of the stuff that's stinky and gross and rotting and you know starting to smell that I would take that away from you and um, it was awesome in that moment because I realized wow there's stuff there that I didn't even think to take out like stuff I didn't know that was a spiritual option in some way like I didn't I didn't pray that I guess um, that he would do that and it was it was awesome because I had just seen it and felt the gratification and the satisfaction of, of knowing what happened in the natural. And then he's like, I want to do that in the spirit. So I prayed, and that was on Friday. And as I walked through my weekend, and even today, there's stuff that I had gotten used to. It was almost like a dirty diaper in the trash can in the bathroom that you just like, let's stay there. You just don't take it out. And it just becomes part of the house. And it was like I had dirty diapers and trash cans, and I had like, all this rotten stuff that was just in my life, that was just there. And then I would come, and I would come and just live my life, and, and all of a sudden today I was like, oh my gosh, like that stuff's not there. And what I felt like the Lord was showing me before, and I, I felt like I had a testimony, and then he's like, no, wait till David preaches, and wait till David brings the word. But I felt like it's directly tied to forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Like all of that trash Good. is like this place of forgiveness, like it's attached to a place. So it's like this work and it is, it's a work, like it is a process. And it's because today I just feel like I'm just in this continual place of forgiveness for, and it's different, it's personal for me, but places where I felt like somebody else might've put that dirty diaper in my trash. And the reason why it's there is because somebody hurt me and somebody did whatever it is, like it's personal sure. to you. Um, but I just feel like, yeah, like the trash, as we allow Holy Spirit to take the trash out and to actually do that work, that another part of the process is forgiveness. Like it just continually just forgiving as God shows you what needs to be forgiven, I guess. But ultimately, I just, yeah, I feel like that was something that I knew the Lord had done. But just to hear it preach this morning, I'm like, wow, God, this is really a work you want to do. Like you really want to do this and not just be a you know, a nice little sermon, but something that we actively engage in and get to participate in and then get to experience the reality of, because for me the last couple of days, it's been a little staggering because I'm like, wait, wait a second, that's been there for so, that's been there, like, what, where is it? And I'm just so used to operating with it that it's like staggering to just all of a sudden have some really yucky stuff in my life be gone. Mm -hmm. And I almost don't know, <laughs> I almost don't know how to, how to live to where I'm like, Lord, what do I do with this? But I feel like it's just left me in awe. And I think that's ultimately what he wants for us is just to be in awe of a crazy work that we didn't even know that we could ask for. So Beautiful. Just to share. thank you for that. Yeah. Wonderful church family. Come on, Sorry. don't you apologize if you're going to share scripture. 
Yeah. Sorry, bear with me for a minute. Um, a few years ago, the Lord gave me this scripture, and I wrote it down, and I put it in a drawer. Sorry. You're okay. Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Mm -hmm. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Mm. I just feel like this is a really good moment to share that. As this comes to my mind every once in a while, and I still keep putting it in that drawer. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a good time to get it out, especially in light of this word. Of help me, Lord, to deal with this once and for all. And to make this a daily thing mm-hmm. that he searches my heart and reveals those things to me and then leads me Amen. in his way Amen. everlasting well said marie thank you Amen. i received that word thank you jesus Amen. lord we thank you for these words and we thank you for the heart we thank you for the gospel applied to our lives and we say lord search us search us and know us and lead us in your way everlasting create in us a clean heart O god yes. and renew a right spirit within us cast us not away But Lord, may we know the power of your presence and the joy of being with you daily because of what you've done. Church family, we thank you for sitting here. I just want to remind you, you are forgiven in Jesus Christ, right? His accomplishment of my work is enough. As you now dig and ask the Holy Spirit to do things, just know he's going to do his work. And uh, the power of the Spirit is, is strong and will refine and make you like Christ. And that's not always easy. So just like what Christine and uh, Maureen said. So we give glory to the Lord. May you know the rule of the Father. May you know the love of the Son. And may you know the power of the Spirit as you go. Have a great week.